I embrace constraints now. Like I used to be the, you know, the person that would grumble, you know, like when this wasn't how I expected or whatever that might be. And it's like the being creative requires you to embrace constraints. Like from a budget standpoint, there's always not enough money, right? From a time standpoint, there's always not enough time. Um, from a from an equipment standpoint, right? Like, you know, people, I remember they'll say like, what camera should I get? I wanna get into photography. I'm like, you have your iPhone right there. Like seriously, start with that. Welcome to the We Are Photographers podcast from Creative Live. I'm your host, Kenneth Klosterman, bringing you true stories from behind the lens and behind the lives of your favorite photographers, filmmakers, and creative industry game changers. From their struggles to their wins, we get the real human stories about why they do what they do. I believe there is something to learn from everyone's story. Listen, get inspired, and discover why in the end, your creative journey is all worth it. Dirk Dallas is an FAA licensed drone pilot and photographer, designer, professor and speaker, and the author of the new book, Eyes Over the World, The Most Spectacular Drone Photography. Dirk is known as an early leader in the drone photography movement, having founded at From Where I Drone on IG and FromWhereIDrone.com, a leading drone photography and cinematography community and website. He's the host of Adorama TV's web series, From Where I Drone, and an instructor right here on Creative Live. This is We Are Photographers with Dirk Dallas, and this is his story. Dirk Dallas, so fabulous to see you again, and thank you for being here with us on the show. Awesome. Thank you so much. I'm super honored to be here. Thank you. Awesome. Well, I want to start out, we're going to talk about you, we're going to talk about your life and drone photography, but first, because at the time we're recording this, your the new book just came out, and so congratulations, first of all, but I want to spend a little bit of time um, talking about this book, and um, let's just start with, it's a tell us about the book, uh, and it's not just your imagery, and so yeah, tell us all about it. Absolutely. So as you mentioned, From Where I Drone was a hashtag that I started a long time ago. And we could talk about that if that's interesting to you. But um, it's since turned into a website and really a curated account on Instagram. And the hashtag now has over 1.3 million uses just on Instagram alone. Um, So not on the other social channels, but the publisher Rizzoli came to me and they asked if I wanted to participate in a book project. And Of course, that sounded really interesting to me. I've been approached by a couple other book publishers. Um, Those ones didn't feel right, to be honest with you, but Rizzoli's known for doing really great um, creative work. Uh, They work with photographers and designers and artists. And so it felt like it was going to be a great fit. And so what happens um, in the process is we were kind of thinking, are we going to do like a a drone how-to book? Are we going to do, are we going to mix it in with some cool photos? what are we going to do? And it was like, let's just do what, like, from where I drone is known for, which is highlighting just really beautiful imagery um, taken with a drone. And so what I did was I started to compile my favorite images that I've seen um, over the years. And, you know, to be honest with you, I've literally looked at hundreds of thousands of photos, um, tons of photos. And so to like whittle down my favorite images, the ones I think that are, you know, just really interesting, special for some reason, whatever that might be. And then, you know, go down to like a pull of a thousand and then to a pull of a few hundred 
And then, you know, what we have now is basically almost 200 images it was super tough, but exciting, fun, draining, um, all of the above. And so what's, what's represented in this book is a book highlighting work from the community from where I drone. And there's over 125 photographers uh, from all over the world. All seven continents are represented. Um, and so I'm just really excited about it. really happy to let the world know now that it's out. So thanks for being interested. Oh, well, of course. It's, uh, I haven't seen it in person, um, but I have seen you know some of the images and such that are online. And it is. It just makes you see and feel um, differently uh, when, you're, when you have that different point of view. And so I'm curious also, I mean, you, you set up the book geographically. Is that correct? Yeah. So to be honest with you, Kenna, it's like, how do you organize like a book of like 200 images from photographers all over the world, um, male, female, um, Australia, uh, South America, right? Like how, like, how do you do that? And so what we ended up landing on was really just a few like distinct categories, which was water, arid, lush, urban, and ice. I believe I said them all. <laughs> and so we categorized, categorized them that way. And what we found was it actually created kind of like a beautiful picture of the earth. Like you get, you get, you get to see like the different landscapes from a different point of view, as you said, and, you know, from category to category, they just, they still flow beautifully. There's a beautiful contrast, but then there's similarities. And so, you know, I, people probably don't realize how difficult that was, but literally figuring out how to organize it was one of the more difficult parts of it. And seeing it now, um, getting feedback, like I feel really good about it. Yeah. I think we made a good call. Yeah. I mean, I think I can only imagine, like you said, you've been looking at drone images from the community and from makers all over the world for seven years. Six yeah. Years? Six years. Yeah. Six years. Mm -hmm. So I'm curious, you've, you've looked at all this imagery for six years. What did you learn uh, whether that's about photography, cinematography, the, or, or about the world through this, the process of making this book. Yeah. So what I learned is that there's like beauty everywhere. And to be honest with you, that's something that is like, has been a personal even challenge for me. Just even if you want to say aside from, you know, the book, but just a, a challenge for me is like looking for beauty all around me. Um, there's a lot of darkness, um, but I've, I'm challenging myself to like, where can I find beauty? Where can I, you know, identify the ugly? And, you know, I want to run to the beauty and I want to, I want to run to the beauty. I want to run from the ugly, but what, but getting back on track with the book is like, I've just seen this, this beauty that just, it spans the globe. It leaves me in awe. It leaves me, you know, feeling like there's something more. It, it leaves me wanting to go to these places myself. Um, and so like that kind of feeling doesn't happen a, a lot for me, to be honest. Like I have a good time. I laugh at a funny video on YouTube, but having moments like that are rare, um, to be honest. And so something I've learned is, man, we live on an incredible, beautiful planet. Wow. My jaws dropped. Was it, is it, I'm curious about, again, this, the aspect of the globalness yeah. of not just the imagery, but of the photographers. Mm, yeah. Do, were yeah. you able to kind of see something different, different styles or like learn something about 
the photographers themselves versus yeah, just what we're looking at or wow, the cult- that, culturally? That's super, that's a super interesting question, Kenneth. So um, I guess as I'm just kind of thinking about that, pondering it right now, um, it makes it, it definitely has, you know, when I kind of stand back, I see like the great lengths that a lot of, you know, the photographers represent, represent in the book go. Um, there's, there's a, you know, it makes me then question like, why, like, why, why does someone go, you know, hike to this place that looks like it's in the middle of nowhere to capture a scene? Um, or even too, you know, there's, there's an urban section, you know, and it makes, it's interesting to me why, you know, someone decided to take up their drone in this particular area, point their camera and then like shoot that. So the question for me is really like, I guess I've, I've noticed that there's a, a, a curiosity about these photographers that drives them. So my question that I would want to pass back to them is like, why? Like, so the, the big thing that I'm realizing is this idea of we're curious about our surroundings. Um, we seem to be seeking something. We seem to be in pursuit of things. That's, that's really interesting. Those are like actually philosophical questions that, you know, would be fascinating to actually have me ask the photographers. Well, there you go. You can you, you can go do that. Thank you. I'm <laughs> have a little do a new interview. Yeah, there you go. Have a little IG series. I love um, it. I love I love it too. So let's let's dig into that. Then with you, let's let's go back to when you first started doing this type of photography. Because um, again, you were early days. So tell yeah. us about your intro into into drones and drone okay. photography. Yeah. So my story, even just with photography is, um, I, I actually come from like a video background and I started doing photography with the first iPhone and it was because it was a decent camera and I wanted to like practice my framing. And so I would take a picture every day. And at the time there was no Instagram. So I would upload it to Flickr and there was a community on there of like iPhone photography and iPhone photographers, I should say. And it was awesome because we were all trying to push the, the iPhone, like, how far could you push it? And the biggest compliment at the time would be someone saying, Hey, what camera did you take that with? You're like, I took it with the phone. And like, that was crazy back then in the early days. But you know, at the same time, Flickr gave us flack. Like we would get comments about this, not being photography. The the phone was not a real camera. And then you contrast that today with like iPhone or, you know, Apple has the shot on iPhone billboard, like just bam. And like, no one would deny that. Like, it's like, oh my gosh, right. It's crazy how far we've come, but all to say, I was really just getting into photography to practice my eye for cinematography, framing, composition, stuff like that. But then, you know, I download Instagram, uh, 2010. I was actually one of the very early users, uh, like user 4,000 somewhere in there. And, um, I didn't like it. (laughs) <laughs> to be honest, because no one was on there. So like no one followed you, no one liked you, no one commented. Um, but then I got really into it after the community started to build. And then fast forward to about 2014, I got, to be honest, a little tired with my photography. Um, I was very comfortable with going down to the beach and shooting the pier at sunset. You know, I, I knew that would, you know, generate quite a bit of likes. People like that kind of stuff. But to be honest, I, I was over it. Like it wasn't interesting to me any longer. And so I, I needed a new challenge. And I've always actually been interested in like flying RC helicopters and airplanes, but it's a very expensive hobby, to be honest with you. And 
uh, I would spend so much money repairing things and it was so hard to actually keep it going. So I ditched that. Um, but then in 2014, I, I heard about something called a drone and obviously I was into photography and I was like, Hey, I wonder like if these worlds could actually merge. And so I got a GoPro, stuck it on the drone. My first drone, I take it up, uh, in my, in my yard, I look at my neighborhood and my mind was just blown. Cause I've never seen it like that before ever. Like, think about that. Like I've driven in here every day, go to work. Uh, come home, go to work, but I've never seen it from that angle. And it just changed everything. It was like, wow, I could actually now go to the beach, shoot the pier, but it's going to be a new challenge. Like, you know, if you think about it, can I, you, you, I could walk to the pier and I can like find a bunch of angles. Okay. That's great. But with the drone, it almost feels limitless. Like I could get a, sh- a shot 50 feet up, but I, I could also go 75 or I could go hundred and I could go to the right, to the left, to the front, to the back. So like talk about like trying to figure out the best angle. And then now I realize that there's all these different, you know, ways to play with perspective and like, you know, do I show the sky? Do I not? Do I, do I just point straight down and compress everything? And oh my gosh. And I could not find anything at the time that could point me in the direction of how to do this better because it was so new. No one, no one had books on this. There was no websites. So it was, it was such an exciting time. It was a challenge. Um, because, you know, now we can like actually see what we're shooting on the screen. And back then with the GoPro, you know, I would put that thing in time-lapse mode, which means it would take a picture every five seconds. So I would have to fly somewhere and count in my head, like one, two, three, four, five. And then be like, all right, I think I got a shot. And then I wouldn't know until I drove back home, popped the card in my computer and then saw it. So in a weird way, it was sort of like the magic of film. You know, people love talking about the magic of film. Like you don't know what you're going to get. I totally got a little taste of that uh, in the early days of drone photography. Well, that's exactly what I was just thinking um, as you were describing that. And it's, it's just so interesting that that was, again, like not just that that drone photography is, is not that old, but even just thinking about Instagram not being that old and Flickr being the thing versus Instagram and and just how everything, you know, continues to evolve and change um, in, in all kinds of ways. And so going back around to, you know, you seeing, when you describe seeing your neighborhood for the first time, it's like, we didn't have Google Earth back then either to, you know, to probably, I think, um, to, to see those different views. Um, and so I'm, I'm always curious with sort of aerial photography and, and this, I mean, I love you describing that it was a whole new world, but also that you had to discover all the different things you could capture and how and what, uh, because I often... Yeah, I don't know. I, I I don't I haven't personally done drone photography or cinematography. And so I'm curious about how you've evolved um to to now what your approach is versus I mean obviously technology has changed, the all the gear has changed. Um but from your sort of creative approach and and what's going through your mind differently from from back then. What what's different today? Well, I guess like, you know, it's still a little overwhelming, um, you know, if I'm being honest, because you have to like really, truly think in 3D. Um, 
you know, in some ways it's easier because I can kind of just sit, I could sit on the beach and fly my drone around. So yes, in that sense, it can be said that it's easier. But then in other senses, I just get overwhelmed by all the options. It's almost like that, you know, the issue of too, too much choice. <laughs> it's like, I, I just want to get pasta. I don't want to look at 50 different pasta boxes, right? And so, um, you know, I guess what I've done is I've, I've tried to give myself a little bit of like a limit. So like, you know, typically I might be like, all right, I want to, I want to go up and get a shot and I want to be able to see the, the horizon and maybe like the clouds and the sun or something like that. But then the next one, I want to crop out this, the horizon. So now like the top of the image, you actually don't really, you can't see the sky. So then the visual cues are, you know, lessened. And then I want to get a, a top down shot where I'm looking straight down and that's where everything's compressed. And so things can start to be a little more abstract. And so I, I tend to kind of think in the, the rule of three um, that I just kind of said to you, it's not like it's a rule, but, and it, I think it also harkens back to like when I was doing a lot of video work, I would be like, I'd get overwhelmed by a scene. Like, do I do a, a push in? Like, do I put my camera up high? Like, what do I, like, I could capture this in so many ways. And, you know, I, I remember thinking like, oh, I'm going to capture a wide, a medium and a tight shot of this scene. And now I have like three to work with. There's some variety there and I don't get too overwhelmed. So um, now, of course, I'm like looking for things. There's things I, I now I'm paying attention to. In the early days, I never really thought about how there's only one light source. Like photography, you know, on the ground, we can bring in another light. We can bring in a bounce. We got the reflectors, right? In drone photography, you have one light source. So you're constantly having to think about like, how is my scene being illuminated? Um, where are the dark areas? Where are the light areas? Um, you know, even too, like, you know, people tend to talk about like, don't shoot midday, like always shoot early and late. And I totally agree. Like it's great advice, but in drone, in the drone world, I also know shooting midday means my shadow is going to be sharp and crisp. And so that means that I could actually use that to my advantage to t tell a creative story where maybe I wanted to do shadow play where the focus is actually on the shadow and not the subject. Right. And so there's just different things like that, that, you know, I've taken time to learn, like, of course, I, I can still go out and shoot midday. Like, that's not a problem, but I'm probably going to be keeping my my drone camera down. But like there's, you know, various things like that. And, and that's what is exciting is I'm still learning things. I still have so much to learn. Well, that like you said earlier about getting bored with um, just doing a certain type of iPhone photography, like when we get bored, um, then, you know, it doesn't become that spark or, you know, joy anymore. I want to talk more about the community uh, aspect of what you do, because it's not just the book, obviously, that is is focused on the community. And you could have created a book that was just your work. Uh, and so what does community with regard to drone photography and cinematography mean to you? How has that influenced your life? Oh, yeah. I mean, community is crucial to what we do. Like, without community, um, I would be lost. Without people speaking into me, without people encouraging me, without people challenging me, without people sharing their knowledge with me, I would be lost. And so realizing that, realizing how important and valuable community is, like, I set out to build a community. I, of course, had no aspirations to what that would mean, but I definitely knew that at the time in 2014, there was like no one really flying drones. I started a hashtag. It was totally a joke. I had no like big aspirations of something. And then I one day 
clicked on it and I find like 50 plus photos or whatever of other drone photographers around the world that were using it. And I'm like, oh my gosh, there actually are more people doing this. And I found other people. I asked them questions. I learned from them. You know, we would inspire each other. And from that, I discovered people all over the world that were doing really interesting things with drones. And I was like, I got to start an account now. I got to feature this work and let people know about it because there wasn't really any way to, I guess, discover drone photography unless you happen to know the, the person. And so I also wanted to promote it at the time. I was like, guys, I think this is pretty cool. Like, I want to let the world know. And so today what that looks like is, you know, I get DMs every week. Like, hey, like, what what drone should I get? Or how do I do this? Or sometimes troubleshooting, which I'm not necessarily the, the most helpful with um, at, at that stuff. But I'm, I'm realizing that community um, is how we help one another. It's how I've been helped. And so I want to do that. Like, that's literally what From Where I Drone is. It's a community. And, you know, for me to put this book out in the world represents the community and it's this tangible thing that we can all now hold, right? We're all probably guilty of it, right? We, we scroll for like half a second, taking that photo, half a second. I found myself like looking at the book, even though Ken, I've stared at these photos forever in on my screen, on Instagram, in InDesign, in draft, in proofs. But like now in the book, like I still find myself like, oh, like pausing, like, man, that person is so talented. Wow. Look at how they frame this this is so interesting to me or whatever that might be. And, you know, if from where I drone for whatever reason were to get the account, you know, deleted from Instagram or I shut down the website, the book is now an, an artifact in the world that will forever be here. Like, you know, so even if I go away, like there's this thing that, you know, represents something that I think is, is beautiful. And, you know, I hope it's inspiring to other people and I hope they can be proud of it. The photographers that are in it. Yeah. And I mean, with 125 contributors in all continents from all over the globe, I mean, that is, again, it's such a different thing than I believe than if it were um, your work. I mean, your your work is gorgeous as well, but it it shapes what the project is um, in, in a different way, um, you know, culturally and visually and, and all of those things. You, you were touching on a bit of... Um, when and looking at those images in print of course there's just you know in the world of photography changing from film to digital and and in this age not many people printing their work anymore um, myself included and, and sort of having to be conscious about doing that and so I, I I love that you talk about how it is different when you spend more time with an image because you're looking at the print and you might not be flipping the page as quickly as you're scrolling. So, um, so that's that's really it's a reminder to perhaps look deeper into the images that we are looking at digitally. Well, that's the thing too, Kenan, right? Like with uh, even our phones, there's a cool image on Instagram, but like then I get a notification from our friends, like oh, got to reply to that. Like my attention just got diverted, right? So um, one of the things that's interesting to me is I haven't done a lot of printing like, like you just said, and I printed some of my, my photos um, to kind of go with the book. Um, and, you know, I've seen these photos, but then when I see it printed, I'm like, wow, like I should do this more often. Like it's, it's pretty cool. Like um, it's pretty cool to see this like tangible thing that I can hold. And 
it sounds so weird because I've heard so many people talk about like film, the film days and stuff, but I'm experiencing it now. Like, wow, when I hold it, it's totally different. Like, and so I just want to say, like, I get that now. Like I was ignorant and I, I get it now. And it's, it's, it's awesome. So yes, go print your work, go find your best work. Can I print it? Listeners go get your favorite images, print it, give it as a gift. Wow. What, what a special way to like give someone a small gift and just be like, Hey, I was thinking of you and I wanted to, you know, bless you with this or whatever that may be. Exactly. Exactly. Um, I want to switch and, and talk a little bit about Dirk as a, a, in your earlier years where you, I mean, you mentioned that you were doing video work, uh, but then also you mentioned that you used to, you know, electric planes and you know, <laughs> yeah. what, whatever that was. But, yeah. So, so were you as, as a teen, as a younger kid, like, tell me about your upbringing. Were you creative? Were your parents creative? Um, what, what, what were you like? What were your early influences? Yeah. So my parents um, were both elementary school teachers and my grand, my grandma was a teacher. And so teaching was like just something that was a big part of our family. Um, so I remember always being at school or having to go to, you know, these functions that were school related. And so in terms of like creativity, as we're all kind of thinking of it now, like photography and stuff like that, not really. Um, but you know, one of the things that was interesting to me is my dad was into photography and it was just as a hobby, not, not serious, but he would have all these like stacks of magazines. And I remember, um, I wanted to get, uh, you know, a camera and, you know, it was just a, a tiny little rinky dink camera that I, I took to the zoo. And I remember it was just so fun being able to look through that viewfinder and then picking up those images. It's funny. I, I'm saying, I'm realizing the connection to what we just talked about, but I remember picking up those images and like, wow, this is super cool. But aside from that, I wasn't really doing anything creative except like music. I was playing music. I was in a band. Um, my friends were, what instrument, all, what I instrument played I played guitar. Yeah. And so I guess as you're making me think about this question, I, what I will say is, you know, my parents, I mean, really my mom especially would have me try so many things. Like I, I think she really helped make me curious. Like I remember she signed me up as a kid to go take a college cooking class in the summer. Right. And I learned to bake and that was fine, but I wasn't into it. But then she signed me up to play guitar and my dad signed me up for soccer and then basketball. So like I, I was getting exposed to a lot of things, but around the time um, when I was in a band high school, my friends were all like skaters and, you know, I was a skater. I wasn't great though. And I knew that, but my friends were good. And I remember asking my grandpa, grandpa, you have this really cool video camera that you only use when you go on a cruise and, you know, it doesn't get used other than that. Is there any way I could borrow it? And he said, yeah, he let me borrow it. So I remember shooting my friends uh, doing video of them doing really cool tricks. And then we made a video and that was when I just fell in love with the, the act of creation. Like that was it for me. Whereas like, wow, I could build something um, and turn it into something interesting, add some music. And then that was just a, a huge turning point for me. So I got really into video and um, not enough though, to make it a career. I actually went to college to be an elementary school teacher um, which is interesting because that was being influenced by my family, of course, like, Oh, I want to be like them. And, you know, they get paid decent, decent, and probably will always have a job. So it's safe. Right. And so I'm thinking like a family man, I want to, I want to be able to provide. And 
But you know, my girlfriend, who is now my wife, um, Alicia, she just told me something. I remember that first year, she could just tell that it wasn't something I was really enjoying. She knew I just loved doing videos. She knew I wanted to edit and make stuff. And so she encouraged me by saying that I'd rather have you do what you love. Um, and you know, we're not well off (laughs) then, you know, we're taken care of and you hate your, you know, you basically hate your life every day. And that was huge for me because it basically validated. She wasn't, you know, expecting me to do anything specifically. She just wanted, you know, me to like kind of follow what I would say is my calling, to be honest. And, you know, it's so interesting is all the stories in there have led to me, you know, teaching. So I teach, I teach at a university here in Southern California. I've come on creative live. I do conferences. I do workshops and it's like, wow, what a cool way to combine my multiple loves. And it's just, it's so awesome to see how, how things have actually come full circle with teaching. It's just not elementary school. Well, that, that is the thing. That's it. Cause you had the intention of, teaching always being something in your family that you're exposed to and is important to you. But that sort of realizing that it, the elementary school part of it wasn't the right part, but again, following your passion and then it leading back to both of those skills. So I, you, you're talking about Alicia. Um, Mm. You have a beautiful family, father of four. Four. Yes. Yes. How has that, influenced the way you approach your, whether it's your work or the teaching versus traveling more or what, what is, what is Dirk the father like? Yeah. Wow. Such a what great does family qu- mean to you? Yeah. Question. Great question, Kenneth. So I don't know. I mean, can I, can I get a little honest with you a little yes. real? Like, well, um, you know, in the early days of Instagram, I was on Instagram, um, very early. And I got to over time build a following. Um, uh, so, you know, over 200,000 followers on Instagram. And I just remember those first couple little early years, like I had to be honest, uh, an ego problem. Uh, I thought I was a big deal. I thought, I, I mean, I'm like, gosh, like it's almost like the population of my city is following me. Like, are you kidding me? Like what? And then, you know, post a photo, get praise awesome. So good. Love it. Blah, blah, blah. And if I'm being honest with you, like that stuff started to go to my head. I thought I was awesome. So good. All those things. And I started to, you know, neglect my family a little bit. I would be consumed with Instagram. I'd be consumed with shooting. I'd be consumed with editing. And I would be, you know, at times ignoring my, my family, my wife, um, never deliberately. I wasn't saying like, Oh, I want to ignore them. I want to put them off. It just happened. Like I was consumed. It was fun. It was awesome. And, you know, there was a point where, you know, Alicia and I had a, a chat and she, she basically helped me realize like what I was doing. And it really shook me. Cause I was like, wow, I don't want you, I don't want you or my daughters to feel like that. And I realized I had to, I had to change. I had to really get my, my, um, I had to really get like a, a proper perspective, like creating, like those things are, are good. Those things are fun. There's, there's nothing wrong with them in and of themselves, but when they consume you at the expense of other things that are important to you, then maybe it might be, you know, a time for you to step back and reflect a little bit. So for me, what that meant is I really had to 
figure out like, okay, how can I be a great photographer, but a great husband and a, and a great father and a great neighbor and a great teacher. Like, that's one of the things I think that we actually miss so much. Like we hold up these people, uh, in such high regard, you know, um, so just to be honest with you, Steve Jobs, I love him. I'm a, I'm a designer. I, my degree is in design. I have a, an, an MFA in graphic design. And, you know, I appreciate design. I love Apple. But, you know, Steve Jobs isn't known for being the best boss or the best dad, you know. Um, and that's maybe awkward to say and to hear. And maybe some people think it's blasphemy. But it's like he's an awesome designer at the expense of what, though? Like, I'm really concerned with how, you know, the whole me. Like photography is great. I love it. From Mario Jones, great. I love it. The book is cool, but like there's so much more of who I am. Like I, I'm concerned with all of making all of me great if I if I can. Like, how can I be all of those things to the best of my ability? So I've really like have have tried to strive for excellence. Like as I've come to this realization, like how can I be excellent in this, excellent in this, excellent in this? And it's hard. I'm not saying it's easy, but I'm mindful of it now. And, you know, that's taken putting up safeguards. Like I need to safeguard my time. Like if I'm always on my phone, then my kids will never get my attention. So, okay, what am I going to do? Well, maybe I need to block out times of day. Like when I come home, um, you know, I put my phone in the study and then we eat, we play a game, we go on a walk, uh, we clean up, we do bath, uh, we read, the kids go to bed. And then maybe now I post. And so sometimes people say like, why do you always like post around nine o'clock? Is that like the magic Instagram hour? And I'm like, to be honest with you, that's like my kids went to bed and my family has been taken care of for this point in time. Now I have a moment to post or, or something. So yeah, that's, that's a little bit how I view things if I'm just being honest with you. Well, I, I really appreciate that. And, and I'm sure the audience and community will too, because People don't always call themselves out on on a number of things, but including, you know, realizing where your that what your ego was. We all have an totally. ego. We totally. all have an ego. I mean, yeah. it's part of being human, but it's yeah. it's figuring out that our ego is not who we are as a person mm. and yeah. finding what is the most important to us and then giving our time and space to that. So thank you, Alicia, for calling you out on that. So hey man, I, yes, I agree. Yes. So um, but the fact that you were able to recognize that and then make changes, um, I think is the, is the beautiful thing. I mean, again, I, I was watching your Instagram stories the day that your book came out and oh. just the adorable, your kids making signs for you oh. and, you know, and baking. And it was like, clearly, you know, so much love, um, for you as, as a father. So I don't know. I just, I'm, yeah. I, I always love to find out about people's families and, and how they do prioritize, um, yes. with, with art, with running a business, with being an educator, you totally. know, all, all of the things. Yeah. Well, that, that, that's such a good point, McKenna, because like, for me, it's taken time to learn that, but like, you know, I could always keep going. There's always more work to do. So like for me personally, what I found is I have to like just have times where I'm guarding it, you know, um, moments throughout the day, the week, whatever that is. And if it doesn't become a priority, then it'll never happen. So like my kids, you know, they all, 
they always want to play with me, which is awesome. Like, I love that. Daddy, can you play with me? And they think like, you know, I'm just going to be able to play with them all day long. Right. And that, that's so beautiful. Um, but obviously I have to do things. Um, you know, we have bills to pay, stuff like that. Right. But then like, if my, if my kids though have a, a time where they, you know, they, they know that's their time, then I can, you know, really pour into that moment, you know, and I'm making them a priority along with wanting to get my emails out. It's like, I also want to spend time with my kids. And that's taken me a long time to realize that. So I just wanted to make sure we, I mentioned that. Oh yeah, no, I, I appreciate that. Um, and so I'm curious about kind of going back to, to drones and, you know, education and how else have you seen drones sort of kind of revolutionize the way that whether it's science conservation I mean, this ability to, again, go have different eyes over the world, as your book is called, Eyes Over the World, Um, storytelling, you know, humanitarian aid, like, is is that something that has evolved and changed that that you can talk to? I I don't think, um, I don't think that that I am specifically um, up necessarily on, uh, like the humanitarian kind of kinds of things. But I will say that I do. And I, I don't know the, the photographer, unfortunately by name, but I do remember seeing a series where um, a photographer, I believe went and shot in Africa and he really showed um, like the divide. He took his drone up and on the right was like the lush green, you know, ritzy neighborhood. And then there was a wall. And then on the, on, on that side was, you know, the slums essentially, and I remember, um, you know, thinking that was a really, that was a, that was a profound image because it, it said with the article, it's like, it's, it visually told what you could have read. And so that profoundly like affected me. And then I remember too, and I think it was the New York times, they went to, um, somewhere out in the desert, I don't know, maybe Palm Springs or something like that. And then they were showing like you know, the divide between these lush communities and then like the desert. And you're just, it was something about like water conservation or maybe something like that. And those things be, you know, were really interesting um, to me, but if I'm being honest with you, I, I, I'm not as, you know, up to date on things in, in that sphere. Well, it just, it just going back to, again, just the, the way that we can see things differently and getting that, like you said, I can, when the, just you describing those images, I can imagine yeah. what it would, how it would look differently from above, just like, you know, as we see images from space and everything, you know, yeah. looks different, um, different from above. And so this kind of ability to, I, I always like to think about, you know, how can, can photography change the world hmm. and whether yeah. that's, at, on an individual level of somebody being moved by a beautiful image or sort of on this bigger global scale of enabling change um, at, at whatever cultural, societal, what have you. So then I I hadn't really thought about, well, can aerial photography change the world in a different way? Oh, yeah. So it's just interesting yeah. to think well, about. Well, and as you're saying that, like, it changes us because we're seeing, like, I mean, I've been to Palm Springs a ton of times, but 
I've never considered, you know, the image that I saw and that spoke to me profoundly. Like, um, that was visual communication. And so it had an effect on me and, you know, actually, you know, I'm not, I guess I said, I'm not really well versed or know too much about those types of things, but like, I know, I think a lot about water conservation, if I'm being honest, like, you know, even, you know, from the small thing of like, you know, I, how much plastic am I, am I using? Right. Like, so I know these things affect me and can it change me? Yes. Like it's, it makes me think about water usage and being in SoCal, like, am I going to have some, you know, crazy garden that requires all of this, you know, water? I mean, I don't know. Like, I'm not saying anything about anyone necessarily. I'm just saying like, it's, it's makes me think though, like before, I don't know how much I would have thought about stuff. I'd be like, oh, I like it. I'm just going to do it. But now I'm like, oh, like, well, what is what does this mean for this? What does this mean for that? Like, these are questions directly inspired by things I read, but also things I see. Right. Right. And I, and I think going back to the beginning of the conversation and just kind of pondering the why um, and the, the, the curiosity that drives us as creators or photographers or you know now image seekers from above um but yeah it's it's asking questions that are more than just about creating the art itself um so i've i've heard you talk about um about constraints and Mm -hmm. like the fact that constraints can help somebody you know be more creative or because like you were talking about earlier if like everything is a possibility (laughs) then it's hard to know what to do or so how how have what constraint what are there now for you in sort of the constraints um or have those are those changing so that Mm -hmm. you're you're able to utilize um certain things to help you grow well, that was kind of a long-winded question, yeah. but <laughs> well, well, no, you touched on something that's actually has really affected my creativity. Like I embrace constraints now. Like I used to be the, you know, the person that would grumble, you know, like when this wasn't how I expected or whatever that might be. And it's like the being creative requires you to embrace constraints. Like from a budget standpoint, there's always not enough money, right? From a time standpoint, there's always not enough time. Um, from a, from an equipment standpoint, right? Like, you know, people, I remember they'll say like, what camera should I get? I want to get into photography. I'm like, you have your iPhone right there. Like, seriously, start with that. Like you don't go spend a thousand dollars, like just start. It's a decent camera. Like, right. And so, um, now like I, you know, I shared with you that idea of the rule of three, right. It's like, I try to, I, I, I know when I take my drone up, I'm always like thinking like, I can't do everything like, cause right. Like I want to take photos, but I also want to take video. I, I would love to do a hyperlapse, which is like a, a time-lapse with a drone and you know, all these things. And it's like, I kind of have to just focus on like, what do, what's like the one thing I can focus on for this particular shoot or whatever. And I'm embracing the constraints. And so that's opened my mind to also be like, okay, creativity requires going with the flow have a plan, but things are always, you know, there's going to be something, right? Like it's going to maybe be a little different or it's going to be totally different. And, you know, creativity requires us to roll with those punches, right? Like it's just as much about like how you can take a great picture as 
how are you working with the situation of the parameters that are in place? And if you are, you know, someone that grumbles and complains and, you know, even is like, well, if I had a 5D Mark IV, you know, I could have taken that photo. And it's like, you know, those things, to be honest, are, you know, excuses to me. Like, great gear is awesome, but like, it's not everything. And so one of the things that was so fun about the iPhone days was it was it was a way where we were all like on the same playing field. Everyone had the same camera. So it was always like, how far could you push it? And if you got that comment of someone randomly saying, what camera did you take that with? You're like, yes. Right. Because you're like, you can't tell this is an iPhone. Are you kidding me? Like, it's not you can't tell that. Right. And it's like that was exciting. And so, you know, there's something about that even even playing field that was beautiful. But like, you know, I think of even, you know, the, uh, Kendrick Lamar has a producer that writes a lot of his beats, even on his phone with apps. And it's like, that's accessible to like a big chunk of us, not everyone in the world, of course, but a large portion of us. So do you need a huge recording studio, you know, to pump out a cool, you know, beat, right? Like, it's like, maybe the excuses are, um, you know, really something that we can hide behind. So I don't want to like say that there's never a valid excuse. I hope no one takes it that way, but I'm just saying sometimes we can, you know, use that to, uh, you know, make us stagnant when really I'm saying run to it, embrace it, say, man, all I got is an iPhone. Wow. What could I do? Well, it's got a mic. Okay. I can start there. Right. Well, I think that's exactly it. A lot of photographers will, will make excuses about that are related to gear. And, and so I always appreciate the sentiment that it's, it's not about the gear. Um, you know, it's, it's who we are as people and communicating the stories we want to tell. And you can do that, like you said, um, through, through whatever, you know, whatever it is that you have in, and solving those challenges in, in whatever way represents you. Yeah. Um, I didn't really touch on sort of the cin- cinematography side of, of drone, you know, you, and you've talked about you were first into video even before stills. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what, I mean, again, with, with being over there being so many options of how to shoot a still, um, talk to me about taking the concepts of filmmaking into the sky. And like, is there, a time or a story where you realized what you could do and that shifted directions for you? Well, that's the thing that's so interesting about doing video with a drone is, you know, typically like on the ground, you're worrying about, you know, you know, going backwards and forwards and left and right. And then the drone introduces a a whole nother, you know, axis. So you got, I can also go up. And so, For me, like what's super interesting is figuring out how can I play with X, Y, and Z to create what I would say is a a dynamic image. That's really what like drones have opened up the the world of cinematography to is like, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's going to be a unique perspective. Yes. But really we now can create a very dynamic shot. Uh, that would just be very hard to achieve on the ground. And that's because we're working within 3D space in in a way that you just couldn't really work with on the ground. And so for me, like realizing that, um, you know, I also not only am flying my drone in 3D, but my camera can tilt 
and depending on what drone you're using, it can spin. <laughs> um, you know, it can get overwhelming. So on on a, if it's like a bigger shoot, I'll have a I'll have a, a co-pilot where you know he focuses on the flying and I focus on the camera, and that's like the most fun thing because I love flying. Flying's cool, as you know. I love I fl- I love flying because I used to fly electric helicopters and airplanes, but. My favorite thing to do is when my co-pilot's flying and I just get to control that camera because it feels like I'm a bird. It feels like I'm flying in the sky, just like how I you know, used to imagine it when I was a kid, how I wanted to be like a superhero that could fly through the sky. That's what I feel like when I fly with my co-pilot. And there's just nothing to, there's no way to describe it. Like one of my favorite memories is seriously being in the hills of Northern California above the fog and i was just flying over the 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 fog the the clouds i should say to be specific i was flying over the clouds and from my vantage point of just the screen i would literally then you know focus just on the screen because i'm trying to block out everything you know uh with my peripheral vision and i was imagining like flying and it was just it was magical and so that's a that's a feeling that I haven't got to really experience too much. What was right about it was the location, but also the the light, the settings, the the clouds were low, and that was a that was an awesome time. That was in the early days, so I don't know how I'd be able to do that now because there's there's a lot more restrictions and <laughs> rules to follow. But that was a magical time. I'll I'll, I'll share that. Yes, and if people are interested in all of those, that whole area of talking about drone photography and yeah. gear and rules and all of that, yeah. there's, you know, go obviously go to your website yeah. um, and go to, you know, there's so many resources out there. But what I love about what you just described and going back to this, like, like you used to imagine as a child, like that's this new imagination. Do you dream in in drone do you do you have ever wow. realize that you have dreams where you're flying that's that's so funny i i don't really i don't think i can say i really have uh drone dreams but you know what as you're as you're talking you're making me think of like my earliest memory as a kid is literally sitting on my mom's lap in an airplane and i'm looking out the the window and i was told i was about four years old that's my earliest memory. And what's amazing to me about that as I look back is, uh, is I was connected to this idea of flight at a very early age. I was fascinated with flight at four. Like I remember looking down and I just remember being like, whoa, that's wild. And, you know, I, I, I wouldn't use sophisticated words necessarily at four, but I remember, um, you know, my, my parents tell me that I, I just thought that that was the coolest thing being on this plane, looking out the window. And so I've always been fascinated with flight. It, it, it blows my mind. It's, it's freeing. It's fun. You can explore. There's challenges. Like it's just, it, it's such a, a fun thing to do. I, I love drone photography. Yeah. I love drone video. I love flying my drones. Well, you clearly love it so much. And again, not just for yourself, but for others, for community, for connecting with people who love the same thing. And I think that's so cool that that's your first memory. And it all, you know, like you said, it all comes full circle. It all makes sense. Um, I think that's a beautiful place to end the conversation and just would love, Dirk, to know um, what are the resources out there that you have? Where can people find you, connect with you, both um, the community, the From Where I Drone community, but also you personally? 
Yeah, so if you want to connect with From Where I Drone, um, it's at From Where I Drone on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Uh, sometimes people say, like, how do you join the community? And all you do is, like, add the hashtag. And some, you know, sometimes you, you might get featured, but really, like, use it to find other people. Like, find other people to follow or to ask a question to, to be inspired by. And uh, the website, fromwhereidrone.com is where I have tutorials and videos. Um, of course, I have my, my class with you guys on Creative Live, um, which would even address some of those questions that were brought up just a few moments ago. And my personal account, though, is at Durka, and that's on Instagram and Twitter as well. So where did the A come from in that? Because your name is Dirk Dallas, and I'm always, I'm always like, when yeah. I'm like, Dirka, okay, what's yeah. the A? What's the A? Right, so one of my buddies gave me that as a nickname, and my middle initial is Alan, or A for Alan, so Dirka. So gotcha. it just kind of stuck, and, you know. You Do people me, call you that? Sometimes people call me that, yes. All right. Dirka. I'm yeah. going to call you Durka from now on. <laughs> there you go. I respond to that. Yes. Very cool. Well, thank you again so much, Dirk and Durka. <laughs> and, <laughs> um, and congratulations on the book. Oh, yeah. Where can people find the book? Yeah. So the book is on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Target, and probably in a local bookstore um, as well. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you, Kenna. I'm Kenna Klosterman, and you've been listening to the We Are Photographers podcast from Creative Live. Connect with Dirk Dallas online at fromwhereidrone.com, at Dirka on IG, and join the 230,000 plus members of the at fromwhereidrone IG community. All the links are in the show notes. At Creative Live, we believe there's a creator and a photographer in all of us. And yes, that means you. If you're looking to get fresh perspectives, inspiration, or skills to boost your hobbies, business, or life, head over to creativelive.com and check out the Creator Pass. That's our subscription that gives you access to over 1,500 classes on demand. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review We Are Photographers wherever it is you listen to podcasts. We'd love to hear from you, and a five-star review goes a long way. And if you like this episode, tell someone about it. Word of mouth is the best way for us to reach more creators just like you. You can stay up to date with everything happening at Creative Live by following us on social media at Creative Live everywhere. And I'm at Kenna Klosterman on Instagram and at Kenna K Photo on Twitter. Send me a message so we can connect too. Thank you again to Dirk Dallas, and I'll see you all next week for another episode of We Are Photographers. <laughs>